1: I was born and raised in South Central LA. In my culture uh, and the way I grew up, success is a different definition for a woman. When I started the business, we had trouble getting a line of credit or, or getting a loan. And now I'm looking forward to get to $27 million when I'm 40. There were a lot of times where I felt like I, I didn't belong. But something that I've learned along the way is that you decide where you belong. You're, you're there for a reason. You're in this industry. You're, you're a valuable player in this industry. So just focus on what you do, what you do best, work hard, and amazing things will happen. This is Lorena Camargo, CEO and founder of Pearl Trans Logistics, and you're now listening to Truck and Hustle. Turn my mic up.
0: Are you? Take there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, on the road to the riches, life takes a toll like bridges. Good friends will foes and snitches. Better watch your nose in your business. Hustle fam, hustle fam, we are back with another amazing episode and today I am super excited. Man, we are live at Manifest and I have my friend Lorena Camargo from Pearl Trans Logistics all the way from beautiful California joining us today. Lorena, how are you?
1: i am good i am so excited to finally meet you and finally be on the podcast
0: lorena i've been waiting for this moment it feels like all my life and we finally made it happen so i'm i'm so happy to have you here uh to tell your story i've had plenty of people in our community want to kind of hear about your niche you know what you do how you built your business and you know, that's what we talk about here on Truck and Hustle. So we always like to, you know, kind of start with the backstory and I'll put some context. Lorena is the founder and CEO of uh, Pearl Trans Logistics, which is a Last mile delivery service specializing in air freight, correct? That's correct. Correct. All right. So we're going to talk about that because we know we we know here on Truck and Hustle, the riches are in the niches, right? So we're going to talk about niching down your business and how you can specialize in something that's going to obviously help your bottom line. But first, Lorena, let's get into your backstory. Tell us a little bit about where you're from and just, you know, a little quick five to five minute version of who you are.
1: Sure. Uh, well... I was born and raised in South Central LA. So uh, I had uh, dreams of going to college. That was gonna be my definition of success. But obviously in my culture uh, and the way I grew up, it's success is a different definition for a woman. And um, I wanna be a mechanical engineer, but even though I had gotten accepted to college, got a scholarship, that just didn't pan out for me. So um, the summer after high school, I applied at a company and uh, turns out it was a courier company, something that I had never heard of. And I was hired to answer phones, Um, and I just fell in love with the atmosphere and it was just, it opened up a whole new world for me. Uh, I was on the phone talking to um, an aircraft company, next I was placing an order for a large format printer, talking to a cryobank and it was just all in a day's work so it was just an exciting world for me um I quickly uh worked my way up from customer service to dispatch to operations and I became the VP of operations within four years at that company
0: so okay so you said this was directly out of high school you applied for this position yes so did you ever go to college
1: Uh, I did. I was taking some business classes. I went to a community college and I was thinking that I was going to transfer out and, you know, pursue that dream of, being a mechanical engineer but then as I fell in love with this industry and what I was doing I pivoted I I dropped all my calculus classes and physics (laughs) and I started taking accounting and other business and communications classes because I was going to be all in like this is what I wanted to do now I wanted to have a business career in logistics
0: yeah I want to rewind back really quickly you said um coming up you know what in your culture, you know, success, what defines success for a woman look different than what, you know, you wanted to kind of attain. So wh- what is your culture? What's your background? Just,
1: um, I'm, uh, I'm from Central America. My parents were born in Guatemala. Okay. And uh, they migrated here um, and then met here. And me and my sisters were born in, in LA.
0: Okay. So f- from your family's perspective, what would success have looked like for you?
1: Yeah. So, um, I, uh, yeah, I, so I was born and raised in South Central LA. Um, I really didn't have uh, such a great childhood and tough teenage years. Um, so I knew that I, I wanted a better life for myself. So I knew that the way to do that was, or I thought was just, To go to college, graduate, and then get a job. So I did all the right things. Like I would, um, I I took all the the required classes, all the extracurricular activities that were required to have a great college application. But when the time came around, I got accepted to the school of my dreams, got a full ride scholarship. So um, my whole life, my parents, you know, instilled in me do good in school. But that just meant, I guess, for them, just. You know, go to school, be a good kid. But for me, it meant like you know, get accepted to a good college. So when I came home and and talked to them about I got accepted to the school, it's in the East Coast. Um, they're like. Why are you going to go through all of that? Why are you going to go through four years of education? You know, you're going to be married, you're early 20s, you're going to have kids, you're going to have to stay at home, your husband's career is really, you know, he's going to be the The breadwinner of the family. Why are you going to go through all of that? Right. And so that was just really, you know, disappointing because... So why'd y'all tell me to do good in school? Like, I literally did my very best and achieved this dream. Got got into the college that I wanted to get into, got a full-right scholarship. And I imagined that I was going to work, uh, you know, back then, I wanted to work for JPL and work on all these, you know, aircrafts that were going to discover back then, Planet X. When Pluto was still a planet, yeah. you know, things have changed. Yeah. Um, and it just... Um, it was just it was just disappointing to me, but I knew that either way, like I, I had to work hard. It was just going to be harder for me because even though I had put in all this work in high school, I was just going to have to start from scratch at a community college.
0: Got it. That, that That's amazing. So growing up in South Central, I, I haven't been to South Central, but from what I've heard, I've, I'd imagine there's not a lot of opportunity right there. Um, how did you? Who and where did you get the idea to become like a mechanical engineer and work on airplanes? Like, who, who, did you did you know somebody who did it? Like, is just a, a dream as a kid? Like, where that where'd that come from?
1: Well, uh, the the I guess the kind of good thing about uh, going to school in South Central LA is that um, USC's nearby, so they had a lot of outreach programs um, mm. to help those disadvantaged. Which was me, yeah. uh, to to look towards those opportunities. So um, they helped my high school come up with a robotics program. So they would send their student engineers come help us like weld the parts, uh, program um, robots, and uh, we got to participate in robotics competitions. Got it. So from then I was like, man, that that's pretty cool because you see like a couple scraps, you know, all of a sudden then our robot went on to compete and it actually like did a pull-up you know I mean that w- that was like almost 20 years ago obviously yeah, robots have you now know- they're
0: break dancing they're doing more than pull-ups but yeah
1: yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. they're doing a whole but but it was just like you know you just you just see out of you know just some little scraps like something amazing and right. I really wanted to be part of that
0: that's cool I mean you obviously were a super bright kid you know to want to you know, cause kids see that kind of stuff, but for them to want to get involved in it, it's kind of different. Like there's something in your DNA there that, that says, I want to kind of, that resonates with me. Right. And that followed you through your life, which is pretty cool. Um, and then, and it comes back full circle as you get into business, but we'll get into that. So you started working for this courier business, uh, fresh out of high school. You apply, you get the job and you say, you start working your way up through the ranks. Right. So kind of tell us about um, what's the highest uh, point that you, you know, reached in that business and kind of tell us how that situation kind of ended and what happened next.
1: Yeah. So, um, uh, the reason why I started working there was actually it was a, a friend of the family he was the operations manager okay. at this company so um, I mean, obviously I still had to interview and you know do all that stuff um, but so w- once he hired me and I was working there there was a couple other girls that were there answering phones um, so in between phone calls though I would go to the other departments because I felt comfortable uh, and I was like hey so what do you guys do here you know I was I was curious because, again, it was like a whole new world. I wanted to know, like, everything that was going on behind the scenes. Right. And even, like, I would help the operations manager. Uh, I saw him uh, make some sales calls, and I would listen to him, and I would be like, hey, can I try one? <laughs> and uh, and actually, fun fact, like, I did, you know, when I was 18, uh, I, I, this one sale call that I did with Balcony Press, they're still my customer to this day. Oh, wow. So even though that company that I was working for had to shut down, they're still, you know, doing work with us and that's kind of exciting and I always whenever I, I talk to her it's like I always remind her like hey you know you are literally my first customer
0: <laughs> that's super cool so they were in the air freight niche as well this this company this courier business
1: yes okay. so uh they did a uh, courier trucking and air freight okay so I got a little bit about yeah I got to learn about each of the aspects of of each of these industries
0: yeah they diversified uh,
1: Right. And I mean, and when you think about it, though, air freight is within that career. I know, you know, we like to think of it as, you know, two different things. But if you really think about it, though, with air freight, the reason why you put a package on a plane is because you want it to get there quicker. So, you know, in, in my what I think is that also air falls within that expedited courier world because you're really just trying to get a package from point A to point B, the quickest and most cost effective way.
0: Yeah, for sure. OK, cool. So how long do you work with this with this company that we're talking about now?
1: So I started in 2000. Actually, I shouldn't say that because I'm dating myself, but <laughs>
0: <laughs> you started <laughs> period. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: uh, <laughs> and then you ended period no, go ahead. Go ahead.
1: Uh, but yeah uh, so I, I started uh, in 2005 and um, in 2011 the, the company owner started to have some health issues and uh, a couple other things he just wanted to be done with the business he wanted to just close his doors so then that's when I found the opportunity to venture out on my own because I had really great relationships with all these customers mm. and they needed somewhere to go to. So it's not like, you know, overnight I was like, hey, you know, I I can start my own company. It did take a lot of uh, convincing from the company owner because he's like, well, you know, you've been running my business for these last couple of years. Now you get to do it for yourself. Yeah. So um, I'm really grateful for Barry because he helped me see in me that I I could do this for myself and I have been doing it. And actually, uh, I've been, we started in 2011. It's now 2023. Yeah. So I've been, thanks. That's
0: crazy. Go ahead.
1: I've been working for myself longer than what I worked for him.
0: How about that? So so did he actually dissolve the business or like at, at that moment or was he just kind of like transitioning, phasing out and was like, you know, just take the customers, spin up your own thing. Like how 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 did that kind of work to transition from his Barry's company to uh, Pearl Trans?
1: um yeah well it was two separate entities yeah and, for sure and not every customer went with me it's not like I could force them you know to <laughs> was, come with me right because it, it was their choice um but he did have a conversation with with their with each of the clients like I'm closing my doors you gave them you know a couple months warning but um Lorena will be starting her own company and that was really important also because I know that this industry is, you know, there's a lot of great partnerships, but, you know, there is some cutthroat competition. Yeah. So, um, and actually uh, the previous operations manager did uh, venture out and start his own business and try to take some of, you know, his customers. For sure. So I wanted to make sure I didn't start out with that reputation. So it was important for me to, you know, for them to know that I was not doing this behind anyone's back, like. Right. It, it, it was going to be transparent
0: with the whole process. through. Exactly. All right. So now you have this huge opportunity, huge undertaking. As you said, you didn't even necessarily believe in yourself at that time. He had to kind of let you see the, the potential that you had. Right. So once you, you know, you develop the confidence and you say, all right, I'm gonna start on my own. What do you do? Tell me about those first couple of months getting started.
1: Um, well, it, it was really exciting, like, okay, yes, I can do this, right? But then it's like, you really, you know, like, okay, got to file this paperwork, got to do this, got to do that, then it's, you know, all of that. And even though um, I already had great customers that I was going to work with, I, I already had like an initial starting base, I still needed capital to start the business. So, right. um, when, when I was, uh, looking into this, I was 23. Um, and I had taken two semesters of accounting and obviously I had that real life experience of, um, of uh, of accounting. So I started drawing up my cash flow statement, my like all the projections because I knew the numbers, I knew the volume that these customers had. So I went into the bank and I was like, okay, I'm just going to get a loan because I I these customers pay within 30 to 45 days. I just, you know, I I need to meet payroll for Fifteen days, yeah. biweekly payroll. Yeah. So I walked in and I was like, you know, all believing in myself and confident. Like, hey, so these are the customers I have promised. They're gonna do work with us, and this is my projections. And they're like, yeah, but you know, you don't have. You're young. You don't have credit. I mean, I was I was 23. Right. I didn't even have like a great savings account. That's just not something that. I mean, really. The way I grew up, it's, it's not like you save money. If anything, like most of my childhood, I saw my parents live paycheck to paycheck. So I really didn't even know.
0: We are here live at OTR Solutions HQ. I'm here with my partner, Jonathan. Man, listen, factoring is an integral part of the transportation industry. Why is factoring important? Absolutely, Ramel. In this economy, in this market, cash flow is king. Cash flow is the key to growth. If you have a young trucking company or if you've been in the industry for years and you want to take that business to the next level, we're absolutely a company that can help. So I hope you'll give us a call today. Let us know what we can do to help you out. Get the rest and roll with the best. Let's go. You
1: know, oh, savings account was about, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, that was definitely a challenge, but luckily, um, again, in my, my whole life, I've had... People that believed in me. And so I, I it- it was thanks to a friend of a friend that was able to give me that, um, to loan me that initial capital. Mm. And I was like, okay, great, you know, thank you. Uh, according to my projections, I could pay you back in three months. And he's like, you know what? Don't even worry about it. Give you three years to pay me back. Wow. Uh, and I'm glad he gave me that flexibility. I was able to pay him back though in nine months. Okay. Um. Yeah. I. I you know. I did stretch it out a little. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I wanted to make sure that. You know, like he believed in me. I want to make sure that that he knew it wasn't just him giving money away. Like, yeah, I, I was gonna be responsible and you know do what I was supposed to do, pay him back, and I was able to do that in nine months.
0: For sure, that's what you call favor, man. You you have you have favor, God's favor. How much money did he loan you?
1: Twenty five thousand dollars. Twenty
0: five thousand dollars, and what did you do with it?
1: Um. Well. So at the very beginning, we try to be as frugal as possible. So I was on call 24/7. I did have another dispatcher that worked with me. He was actually working with me at the previous company. Mm-hmm. Um, and do you have it, a
0: space at this time? Do you have you? Do you have office space like? on the equipment side, like talk about what, how the business looks like at this $25,000 point when you start investing the money in.
1: Yeah. So, um, I needed to have an actual office. So, um, we started with like, it was a tiny office. It was like, maybe like 200 square feet it was going to be 600 a month so it was it was just perfect because all i needed was to put in two desks in there that, that's all we needed and and two computers and we worked with i worked with the same owner operators that i had been working uh with uh before because again i also had great relationships with them yeah and um I did, uh, I was on call 24 seven. Um, and most of the deliveries, um, we had deliveries, you know, we're open 24 seven. Uh, however, there's a surcharge for any deliveries that come in after 9 PM. So, um, since we don't get a lot of phone calls at that time, you know, I had to do what I had to do since those are like the, the high paying orders, like I did them myself because I needed to keep as much cash in the business.
0: So in, in, in your world, in, in the air freight world, for, for a layperson such as myself who may not understand it, explain how it works. How does your operation work, right? How do you get orders? How do you, who are you communicating with? What are you doing on a day-to-day basis? Explain your business model for people who may not understand.
1: Sure. So we started in 2011. However, uh, we didn't become an indirect air carrier in IAC, uh, which is the certification so you could tender cargo to the airlines. Uh, We didn't start that till 2012. And we had it uh, because it's a free program. It's just all the compliance that has to go with it. Uh, But we just had it um, as a just in case for our customers. Most of our customers um, back then were in large format printing. So their, their customers, are like Disney, Sony, and all these other big entertainment companies. So they have salespeople that have meetings at 8 a.m. in the East Coast. So um, they rely on FedEx and UPS to getting those packages out there on time. However, because you know, the nature of of their business, a machine could break down um, when they're running press, but there's still stuff that has to get out there. So if they miss their FedEx cutoff, they have to find a way to ship their product. So we would have this air freight service just as a backup for them whenever they needed it. So we would do a, a couple shipments a month, like maybe like two shipments a, a month. It wasn't anything. Um, it, it wasn't anything you know a, a lot of volume however though as uh, as time has progressed and we've been Expanding more, the um, we've been specializing in work for healthcare facilities. There's now um, a need for specimens to be transferred in between fertility clinics, mm-hmm. and that's a big thing that we've done in the last two years. We've really specialized within the fertility sector. Um, there's uh, we started with uh, with the cryobank that um, that ships out donor sperm. So, with that, you know, there's also frozen embryos that need to be transported, eggs, and uh, a person may start their treatment, like in Utah, and may few years later moved to California well all of that has to be transported so yeah so uh, within the last 2 years we've been specializing in work we do with healthcare facilities specifically within the reproductive and fertility life sciences work so um we started with one of our major companies or major customers is California Cryobank so um we started shipping to their they have other offices in north California and a couple offices in the east coast so they were looking for another solution that was a little more reliable than FedEx because I mean obviously FedEx is a great service that's why they're so big but you know things tend to happen from time to time however within life sciences there is no margin for error so what we're transporting for a California cryobank is donor sperm so it's, uh, it's items that needed to get shipped out right away and And it has to be stored at a certain temperature, so it can't be on a truck for longer than forty-eight hours. Mm. So, um, but you know, specifically like right now, you know, there's storms. It's just stuff that that you know, no no company can control. Um, But there was tanks that were stuck on trucks for like a couple days, and so that specimen would. Would spoil it, would it be no good. So uh, they started looking for other solutions, and we did all of their local groundwork. So that's when they're like, hey, so who can we use for air freight? And do you know anyone? And I was like, "Uh, yeah, actually, as a matter of fact, we do. We're in IAC. We do this. We do that. Uh, We have um, accounts with the airlines. Um, And so that's when we implemented a couple solutions. So now we do a weekly route where we're transporting uh, specimens um, to all their various offices.
0: So you're, you're picking up the specimen at one location and then you're taking it where? Where's the next stop? I'm just trying to understand the flow of how things go with these like transfers. So you you pick up the specimen at wherever the hospital or whatever it is. Right. And then you're taking it to the airport. (laughs)
1: Yeah. So we we do we do the whole thing. So we have um we have uh our couriers pick it. Well depending where it is, because we also have a nationwide network. Okay. So for example, in LA, that's where their headquarters is, we'll pick up the the specimen, we'll go to the we'll go to the airport. Um there's certain airlines that we ship out with just depending what the transit time is, because even if a flight leaves before, if it has a stop, it may not get there. You know, on time. So we coordinate all of that. Um, the driver tenders to the airport, um, and then we make sure that uh, cargo actually got tendered to the flight. Because sometimes cargo tends to be bumped, so we gotta we gotta stay on top of that. Yeah. Um, and then we coordinate on the other end to make sure there's a courier waiting as soon as the the flight lands and it's ready for recovery. Uh, driver, we have a courier pick it up and then take it straight to the to the end. To, to the, the end, end user. user.
0: So it's it's end to end. So on your end, it's a Pearl Trans driver picking it up, taking it to the airport, making sure it gets on the flight. And then on the other end, there's somebody who's then picking it up from there and taking it to the end user. Now that person is not a Pearl Trans driver, that's somebody else who's within your network that you're connecting logistically to make everything happen.
1: Yeah, we make sure that all our partners are vetted and it's people that I've met at CLDA. So it's people that I've I break bread with, like we share the same values. Um, And, you know, again, in this industry, we all know mistakes tend to happen you know just we reduce the that margin of error but it's people that uh, have that proactive communication that we do because if there's an issue we got to let our customer know we don't like to blindside our customers so uh, that's how that's how most of our well that's how all our nationwide network is composed of it's just other careers like Like pearl that are gonna uphold the same the same values and same uh, level of service that we would.
0: Got it. And you said with these specimens you have 48 hours, right? They have to, and and there's like there's like a cold chain you said, so you have to have like a refrigerated vehicle, or how does that work?
1: No, it's self-contained. Self-contained. Okay. Yeah. So we ship it out in uh, liquid nitrogen tanks. with dry vapor, they're dry vapor shippers, and they're able to maintain the temperature for 48 hours. Um, but we don't like for it to like, literally like 47 hours on the road with just like (laughs) one hour. Uh, that's why we make sure that, um, we calculate the transit time, right? To make sure that it's not, it's not sitting at the airport for no reason.
0: Okay. So So you're also, so not only are you running Pearl, but you're also creating opportunities for other people as well, right? Within, within your network. So for someone to work with you, right? What, what would, what would be the requirements? Like what type of vehicles are you looking for? Um, what type of companies are you looking for? Do they have to have like be established in any type of certain way or have any type of, um, particular compliance? Like what, who are you looking for to work with to do these, these moves?
1: we work with several owner operators and other carrier companies um, to do these type of deliveries. Um, we do work with a company that helps certify drivers. Like even I have to be certified yeah. um, if there's like a spill or, you know, you never know. Again, you you try to have the utmost care um, with, these, with these specimens, but you still have to be certified and you have to be compliant with that annual training. We've never had an incident, luckily, um, but uh, <laughs> we, we, people still have to be certified, and we help with the, we help coordinate the training um, with certain um, w- with the people that we work with because it's an annual training. Okay. So it's not like you just get trained once and you're certified forever. We we have someone that gotta stays- stay updated.
0: Mm-hmm. So these moves are being done in what cars, vans? What are you guys moving these specimens in?
1: Depending on uh, on the shipment. So most of these are single one-off tanks. So sometimes even a sedan can carry them. Um, we're starting to ship out the larger LN2 tanks, which actually require a lift gate because even though they're 250 pounds, um, which may not seem like a lot, I mean, for like one tank, um, one person really cannot... Cannot carry it on their own um, because they may get injured, and also the the tank can just tip over and then spoil the specimen. So, um, but it doesn't it it doesn't require refrigerated vehicles because the the container itself contains the temperature.
0: Got it. So you guys sometimes have two people on the on the on the vehicle, like lumpers or like a driver assist type of thing, right? To kind of help move it. How how is it how's your relationship with the airport? Do you guys wait there a lot? Like I, I'm just imagining like going to the airport, what are you like pulling up in the back where all the planes are loading or something like that to get it on there? Is that how it works?
1: Yeah. So with LAX, uh we have accounts with several of the airlines, just depending on the need. So um most of the airlines have their cargo facilities outside, which Makes it easier. However, there's a couple that are inside the airport, so then that means that the driver has to park, um, get out of his vehicle, you know, cross the street, go wait in line. So that does make it a little more challenging. Um, there, with the cargo facilities outside the airport, because they have their own their own parking, it does make it a little easier. Um, however, also another challenge is that um, with certain airlines, we already anticipate an hour or two hour waiting time which does make it a little difficult which is why we have to just make sure that whatever flight we put it on it's going to make sense because we already know if the driver is going to pick up at 3 p.m and the flight leaves at 5 even though it's a one hour lockout and you think you know he's going to make it on time we already anticipate he's going to have two hours waiting time let's not even count on that flight because it's not He's going to get there, but just because he got there and he's in line, if that cargo isn't tendered by the lockout time, which is usually an hour, it's not going to get on that flight.
0: Got it. So what? Okay. so um, how how does how does it work? Because you guys you said you have to put it on the flight. So you guys are actually choosing the flight that this goes goes on to as well. Yes. So So you're scheduling the pickup. Right. So they're saying, okay, this specimen is ready. I'm just trying to get the whole flow. Right. Somebody calls you and says, hey, Lorena. Or Pearl Dispatch, this specimen is ready, come pick it up. Now the clock starts ticking, right? So they're gonna go pick it up. At that point, you're already looking to find which flight this can go on. So you must have like some sort of manifest with all the different flights that are leaving to where you gotta go, right? And then you have to pick the flight. And then who are you communicating with to let them know, hey, this is going on your flight. Like how how does that work? And then I assume after they, you know, you choose that, they get there. And then it goes, you know, flies there. It lands, and then somebody else takes it. So, wh- who who who's the communication? You're calling the airline. Do they have a dispatch, and You're saying, you know, we're going to put this specimen on this flight. Or, There's some codes or some numbers or something like that. How, how does it work? Explain it to me, because I'm trying to I'm trying to get it. Don't laugh at me. I'm trying to understand it. <laughs>
1: no, um, no, I was just laughing because it's actually something that uh, they mentioned at the uh, at, at the last uh, session that I, w- I was at. Um, it's. Yeah, it used to be really old school like that a few years ago. Actually, okay. even like two years ago. Yeah. But now, thankfully, the airlines are automating a lot of this process mm-hmm. where we could book uh, the shipment ahead of time uh, online. Before, it used to be the driver used to get a, a paper air bill and you still have to like fill it out. So the shortcut that we would take is we would already have like all our information on there, just print out copies, give it to the driver. So then give them less work so that way he... really really just has to put in where he's picking up and where it's dropping off um, and all that information would be in there. But now, thankfully, um, (laughs) the airlines, you know, are utilizing uh, uh, certain, certain, you know, Technologies Technology. or whatever uh, platforms they're on uh, to make it easier for electronic air bill. So that way, uh, our dispatcher just inputs all the information, and the driver shows up, gives them the air bill number, and set, and then you know pulls it up. All the driver has to do is verify that all the details are correct, sign off on it, and the airline accepts the cargo.
0: Got it. And and who and who do you invoice? You invoice the hospital. correct yeah okay got you and in terms of like um the rates are the rates like a a fixed rate for these moves or are there different things that impact the rates how does that kind of work for for you guys and billing
1: yeah we've tried to streamline that uh that process and automate those quotes it is a little challenging uh sometimes especially now with like all the all the weather disruptions and you know that there's certain surcharges um on that, but uh, we've tried to simplify the process where we tell the customer um, a flat rate uh, within the 10 miles of the airport and then you know a, a charge for any additional mile. Uh, but there is a flat rate and just depending um, where it's going, like for example, if it's Newark to LAX, if it's going to El Segundo, well, that's like two miles down. But if it's going all the way to like, I don't know like commerce or something you know it it, it's farther so there is a surcharge for that but also to help um to help offset some of these costs um we make sure that the cargo lands at the nearest airport possible so like uh a lot of people you know California is just LA and San Francisco right (laughs) that's what they think but you know San Diego has its own airport so um we it wouldn't make sense for us to fly it to LA and then drive it down to San Diego because that's an extra like two hours and an extra 200 miles that we would charge so we make sure that you know whatever makes sense um we we fly to the nearest airport to be cognizant of the charges to our customer
0: got it how how many of these moves are you guys doing on a i guess weekly basis how many pickups and uh, i guess just pickups and deliveries do, do you guys do like i guess do you do look do you look at it weekly is that like your metrics is that how you guys kind of Look at it.
1: Yeah. Uh so it was just in like the last uh eighteen to twenty-four months that we started specializing in these. So we're still doing like a couple dozen. Okay. Um the majority of our work is still the traditional courier and last mile space, but okay. we're uh we're branching out more into these specifically within the healthcare facilities because we know that um some of these facilities are looking for that personal that. In a way, white glove service mm. where um, it's not just going to be uh, when the specimens packages, a box is going to be thrown in the, the back of a truck. Right. Need some care yeah these these are just standalone shipments that are gonna go uh driver's gonna pick it up and actually you know there's gonna be less humans touching it in a way where it's just couriers dropping it off to the airport the airport staff and then a driver's picking it up on the other end instead of like all these other uh checkpoints where there's that risk of the specimen uh getting spoiled or the specimen getting lost
0: mm, got it so outside of of this opportunity so what what is your bread and butter you said- said the normal kind of courier moves what what does that mean like what are, what are normal courier moves that you'd be doing on a regular basis
1: so um most of our um well we've we've diversified our our customer base at the beginning it was mainly large format printers um they're still a big part of the work that we do but now we also work with uh we work more with like aircraft manufacturer parts so um, between the manufacturer and like the welder and someone else that that does something else we we transport the parts from point A to point b pretty much and um, our driver may be at the same facility a couple times a day Mm. um, just picking up dropping off uh, you know just between the checkpoints and even also with like our our large format printer customers um, we those proofs um, because what, what they print are like the large bus shelters or you'll probably see them like in the freeway. Yeah. Um, th- those big banners, Um, that stuff uh, can be emailed, but some of it does have to be printed because eventually it's going to be printed. So they have to like sign off on the color and all this stuff. So um, it's just going back and forth, back and forth, which I guess back in the day it was called the messenger. I feel <laughs> yeah. like, I mean this industry, I mean, you know, it, it's evolving. That's great. So yeah, it went from for like sure. messenger back in the day, now courier, actually now it's last mile. So, it um, it's just really just, you know, point A to point B, which okay. we love because our custom our, our drivers get to go see the same people every day. It's like, right. it's you know, consistent.
0: Have, they get yeah. to know who they are. And it's like that real customer service feel, right? They know them by their first name and all that good stuff.
1: Yeah. Cause how often have you had the same Uber driver twice? Never. yeah so that's what our customers love about our service because it's it's specialized and, and they get to talk to the same people
0: got it got it okay cool so in terms of uh equipment uh what do you what do you guys use to transfer uh to transfer these these uh these printers and so forth and so on
1: we use mainly sedans that's what most of our fleet is comprised of because it's it's smaller items um we don't really um i guess bulkier items really are just like maybe like three percent of the work that we do. That's why we're so grateful we can count on a large network. So that way we have a variety of uh, of fleet vehicles that we have access to. So no matter what our customer needs, uh, we're able to provide that for them. But the majority of the work that we do does you know, regular sedan works. Small sedans.
0: What about branding? I noticed that everything is like nicely branded and everything like that. Is it important for you to have all your vehicles branded or do you have some stuff that's like kind of like, you know, non-spec out, like just like a a white car? Like how how does that kind of work?
1: Yeah. You know, actually that's interesting because um, if it was up to me, I'd love to have like (laughs) bunch of vehicles and you see Pearl everywhere. Uh, But you know, that's financially not possible (laughs) um but we we do have a few branded vehicles and it you would think that um you know it's safer for people like oh okay they work for pearl i'm gonna hand them the package but we actually had a complaint from someone um uh who was one of our fertility customers um because we have uh pearl trans and another a sub brand is cryo courier Mm. so we actually had a complaint from uh from one of the of the customers they're like I don't want my neighbors to know that I'm going through this process so next time that you guys come here please make sure it's an unmarked vehicle Mm. you know I had never like I hadn't even thought thought of that that. yeah so now we make sure that if we're picking up from a residence or dropping off from a residence depending on the circumstances we make sure it's an unmarked vehicle because it's something that like I didn't even I didn't even consider. Um, but a lot of people uh, are private with their fertility, their their parenthood journey, you know, makes sense. Yeah. So we want to make sure we respect um, what they're going through.
0: For sure. You you mentioned IAC earlier. What What's that acronym for?
1: That's indirect air carrier. So you get that through TSA, Mm -hmm. um, you go through, through a whole process and then you have to have compliance where you have to have your drivers go through an STA security threat assessment, which is really a comprehensive background check to make sure that, um, the people that are tendering the the cargo to the airline it, it's safe because air, air cargo is, is 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 huge. However, you know you you also have to keep in mind also that you know there's also, most of this freight is going on passenger flights. So you really want to make sure that the people that are tendering cargo have gone through this background process. So that's why TSA has this set up for the safety of passengers, but also safety for other cargo, because just like we're tendering specimens, pharmaceuticals, there's other companies that are tendering that freight. So it's just for the overall safety of the industry that TSA requires it.
0: Got it. That's, that's what that bumping around in the, in the cabin is when you're on the plane, you're always like, what is that? (laughs) (laughs) It's you, Lorena. So, so, uh, in terms of compliance and and just keeping your company compliant outside of that, the IAC, right? Is there anything else uh, that you guys have to be compliant with? And uh, is there any like special types of insurance that you guys need to run your business? Can you speak to that a little bit?
1: Yeah. So we have our, uh, general cargo liability insurance, obviously auto insurance. Um, but in the in the recent years, we've started working with utilities companies and also with other um, federal and state agencies. So what they require is that errors and emissions policy. Mm. Um, some of the documents that we're carrying is stuff. We're carrying it because it can't be encrypted. It can't be emailed. So that's why they use couriers like us.
0: How do people typically find you to work with you? Is it like a referral business? How, how, do you do a lot of marketing? And if you do, like, who are you marketing to? How, how do you find how do you find opportunities?
1: Yeah, we have very limited marketing. Um, we you know we're on social media. We have our website. Uh, but I. I've been very fortunate where our customers are our biggest salespeople. We have grown significantly because of all the relationships that we've built with our customers and um, they see that we're doing a good job. So, You know, again, in this industry, there's always, you know, late packages, you know, so or not even, you know, it's just other issues, communication issues or other stuff. So whenever uh, someone tells them that they are having an issue with their career, they'll be like, hey, you know, we use Pearl and this has been our experience using them. And so then they make that introduction. So we've grown significantly thanks to those referrals um, that people people just just think of us.
0: Got it. How how do you typically uh, differentiate yourself from your competitors? And I'm assuming you probably don't have a lot of competitors in your space or do you? Are there a lot of other care couriers in the area that do what you do or are you kind of like the only one?
1: No, no. There, I mean, there's there's thousands of couriers. Okay. The only thing is that um, not that we don't consider them competition. It's just there's there's a different way uh, that we do things. And actually, there's a couple other couriers within uh, the L.A. and Bay Area that are actually partners for us. Mm. So whenever there's an overflow of like you know we, we there's we have a hectic day, uh, instead of us running late on our packages, like we have a partner that helps us with that overflow so we have we have great relationships with them in a sense that like well yeah you know they're competitors but we like to think of them as partners um at least that's the approach that that that, you, that I you have
0: because I mean that could get kind of dicey too right you open up you know your work to other people who are quote-unquote helping you out but they could also then poach your customers right
1: oh yeah potentially no. That's why we make. I mean, you know, there also has to be a c- couple of uh, written agreements. NBA, yeah, right. Yeah,
0: little agreements in place. Yeah.
1: But yeah, but we vet, we vet our, we vet our partners, and we just. I mean in this business in general it's all about relationships and um, that's why we like working with people that are like us you know we may not be the biggest we're not FedEx we're not UPS but we uphold the same values and at the end of the day we're really uh, this is a huge industry there's a piece of a pie for everybody so I don't have to go and 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 get my friends you know customers and right. they don't have to do the same with me there's enough for everybody
0: for sure what what are your goals for 2023 how are you guys looking to grow and expand the business in your footprint mm,
1: see i don't want to say my revenue goal um can, can i can you, i say can my say a revenue goal can that, I don't, say, that
0: don't mean that uh it's that how much oh. the revenue is it's just a goal
1: <laughs> well okay <laughs> It's just I have I have this goal. Mm-hmm. I want us to reach uh 27 million dollars in revenue by the time I'm 40. But the clock is ticking. So um, uh, right now I'm working with a with a business consultant. We're gonna hire our first salesperson. Um, and it's just we're going to be, we just had our 11 year anniversary. This is our 12th year. We've, we've grown so much thanks to our customers, uh, their referrals, the relationships that we've built, but now we we really want to scale, um, further. So I have this goal, um, and, uh, That's a great goal. Yeah. And it's not going to like, you know, overnight. So the next five years are all about building further building that sales team.
0: Got it, got it.
1: I remember um, when I started the business, So we had trouble getting a line of credit or or getting a loan uh, when I first started the business. And I remember um, I remember uh, the the loan officer telling me, like, you know, I can't really we can't give you a loan. I was like, okay, well, tell me what I could work on. So, you know, because I want to have I'm going to start this business, whether you help me or not. Like, well, um, you know, come back to us when you've hit a million dollars. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) how am i gonna get there without your help (laughs) you know capital is needed but um but yeah we were so that was my first my first goal getting to a million dollars um and uh for a while we dwindled there uh but we've been able to scale ever since and so um Yeah, I mean, that was that was my first goal. So I'm getting to a million, um, which we've been able to surpass. Uh, And now I'm looking forward to get to 27 million when I'm 40. And I feel like it's it may seem a little vain chasing a number, but the number 27 is special to me. And I just feel like, like, why not? I mean, there's other companies that like in their second year, they're like at a billion dollars. <laughs> so, you know, 27 million, uh, I, you know, it, it's still a little, it, it, it's probably not as big of a goal to somebody else. Yeah. But I do want to reach that goal while maintaining a 100% ownership. Mm. So, that's very important to me and I know that with the team that um that we've built and the the environment that that the people that I've surrounded myself with I think it's a very doable goal
0: oh for sure I, I, can you share why the 27 because it seems like there's a deep meaning behind that I'm interested why why the number 27
1: sure well um I was born October 27th so are you a Libra uh well or, I don't or, really or did you just
0: fall out the where, where's Libras are you a Scorpio?
1: Well, I don't really believe in astrology. Well, I make my based own destiny. On, based
0: on the zodiacs, I'm just, because I'm a Libra. Like, you know, I, I I don't care either. Like, that's cool that you don't, I know I'm kind of like my sign. Like everything I read about Libras, I am like that. So I tend to like be like, damn, it's pretty interesting. But either way, I'm just, everybody yeah. who I meet who's a Libra is usually really great people. That's what I'm saying. Oh, okay. Like. Well, All my fellow Libras. But you're close enough. You're in October. So whether you are or you aren't, we're good. Go okay. 27.
1: Yeah. So I was born October 27th. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, 27 is also, uh, so according to SBA regulations, if you're a career company, uh, 27 million and under, you still qualify as a small business, which is great. I know a lot of people don't, you know, when they, when they hear small business, they think, oh, uh, between one and 3 million. No, it's, you know, 27 million. Uh, so I still want to have access to SBA resources. Mm, um, smart. <laughs> and then, uh, also, uh, I went through a really, uh, a dark period of, of in in my uh, late 20s when I almost didn't reach my 27th birthday Mm. but uh, I mean here I am I'm not gonna say my age although you could probably do the math (laughs) yeah 27 (laughs) um so so yeah and and it's just yeah, it's just a number that I that I threw out and I remember um it took us it took us four years to get to that million dollars even though that was that was my goal it took it took us four years um I've since like uh made myself uh set myself bigger goals than that and yeah. I even though I haven't quite reached those goals um it still motivates me to push myself i remember for a while uh after we hit a million my goal was three million you know and then uh you know we were able to surpass that and so now it's just like let me just say 27 million <laughs> right 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 uh,
0: speak it manifest yeah
1: it. so i mean this year i'm projecting for us to hit eight million okay so um yeah i think it happened oh Damn, it's it's, it, it's
0: definitely gonna happen we got it we got it now that's an amazing story i love how intentional you know you are about your numbers about your goals and being that way you surely will get there for sure it's just a matter of time you know um man Lorena, this has been an uh, amazing show I, I feel like i learned a lot about you i learned a lot about your space your niche uh, so thank you for educating me on that because I, I was lost in the sauce a little bit so and um I, I want to continue to learn um, man is there anything that I missed that you want to put out there just just in case that you want to just let the audience know that you're working on or anything like that or that we kind of cover most of it
1: uh yeah well uh one of the things that has contributed to our growth though is uh you know just focusing like you said on our niche yeah um I remember uh, you know, when I, when I started, because we were starting, I wanted to get like a, any type of business opportunity. So we had our hand in, in a lot of things, but what's contributed to our growth is that we've been focusing just on that expedited space. Um, we already know know how to do that work. Um, so I remember uh, one of my mentors, Jim, uh, told me you could either be a foot wide and an inch deep, or you could be an inch wide and a foot deep. Mm. So you really just want to focus on your niche because that's where that that that's how you're going to grow and you're going to have profitable growth so there's 27 million i'm not just looking to you know make get to 27 million and then have like a 3 million loss or something i also want to make sure that we stay profitable and that's the way focusing on the niches
0: for sure this is a question i've been asking lately and i'll ask you to kind of start wrapping up who's a, a entrepreneur a person who you really look up to uh in the logistics space that you think we should have on this show also
1: Oh well, there's so many. Um, I'm part of. I'm on the board of CLDA, uh, as you know, and uh, I've just really been fortunate where I'm not just a member there. I mean, it's a family, and there are just so many people there. I, I don't want to name anyone and then just leave them out. But yeah. I've been really grateful that. Um, I mean, I didn't go to college. I I, I had. I was relatively young when I started in this business and it's people that I could really call up um, and then just like, Hey, so I'm going through this and this and it's stuff that, that I could be vulnerable. I I could, I could share with them. Yeah. Um, Everybody else, everybody has like you know what they what they specialize. And even like with with air freight, there's certain things that I'm still learning. You know, there's no one person that knows it all. Right. Especially as the industry keeps evolving. So I'm really fortunate to have access to so many people that you know I, I used to look at uh, look at them and I still do like as mentors. But now it's like they're my peers. Like that's <laughs> exciting. Like that is exciting, now they ask me questions. That is ex- that's su- exciting. That's super exciting so i have a long list of, but you, but you got
0: to give me one you you thought of one person when i asked you that question and then you 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 went to let me just give a shout out to the whole clda so i get it I, and that we we love the clda shout out to jason burns and larry zogby and everybody else but just who's the first person you thought of when i asked you that question
1: Oh, oh well, one of my favorite people, Jim Bernicker from Relay Jim Express. Burnker. Okay. Uh he's uh he started out as a as a salesperson. Eventually now he's the president of the company. And when I started, again, I was like, you know, really shy. I was a hard worker, but I was really shy, really introverted. And and I don't believe
0: that <laughs> for one second.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I still am. <laughs> uh but man, like he taught me so much uh of of sales. Um he like what he expects from a salesperson. That's like he even sent me like uh all the KPIs for his salespeople. Mm. And that's the stuff that I still hold myself accountable to this day. So he's been such a great influence on me, uh, especially when it comes to sales, because that I mean that's that's the only way to grow. You can't be shy of making a cold call, can't be shy to go uh go introduce yourself to someone. You gotta put yourself out there. And that's definitely something that he he's really taught me um, be brave and really at the end of the day, just uh, you own the business, but just think of your salary. Uh, if you were working on commission, how much you would be making. Mm. Um, and uh, that that's what pushed me. And so I'm just really grateful to him. Can,
0: can you educate us on one of those KPIs that he talked about in sales? I, I love, I love sales. Just like one of the things that he taught you, you got to talk about all of them. Just like one, the one thing that may stand
1: out. Oh, well, the one thing is you got to make 50 calls a day and that's not even including the calls or you're following up with someone. That's like a brand new set of calls. So cold calls. Cold calls. Yeah. Uh, I mean, luckily now, you know, there's, you know, a, a couple warm leads. But um, I, I mean, I don't I I don't make 50 calls a day because, you know, on top of that, like there's other aspects of the business that, right. that we're running. That's why. uh I'm going. I'm working with a consultant to hire a salesperson. So that's that way. There's a full-time person that's just dedicating. Uh, that's dedicated to sales. Obviously, as the owner of the company, that's always going to be on my plate. Uh, you know, but I, I want to focus more on those on those key relationships. Those strategic. Partnerships and those big accounts. We're also uh, certified as a woman-owned company, so we've had a lot of opportunities there. Uh, that's how we started working with a couple utility companies, federal agencies, a couple state agencies, and those are the those are the relationships that are also gonna help us get to that big goal that I've set for for ourselves.
0: Got you. Did did that that change? When did you get certified?
1: I got certified in 2017 I think 2017 okay. but we never really did anything with it yeah. until 2020 cuz it's not like you get certified and man and you just you're- get
0: the your emails will start flooding right
1: yeah i, w- I wish <laughs> it was like that a lot of people think it's that way but no just because you're certified doesn't mean people are gonna call you you still have to go out there and put the put Actively in the work sell
0: yourself right and, and people aren't
1: there. just gonna like oh i'm a woman on company give me work like no you still have to prove your value yeah. so you know it, it there's still um there's still work there and those are the relationships that i also want to keep building
0: amazing all right, Lorena, I, th- I think we got it now. I think we got everything. I think I got everything out of this interview that I needed. Um, before we go, we have to get a final thought. You're, you you watch Chuck and Hustle, so you know we always, always got to do a final thought. That is going to be spiritual, um, entrepreneurial, anything you want to leave for the audience or somebody who's listening. Um, the next Lorena Carmargo may be listening right now, and they may need to be inspired by your words, so whatever you'd tell them. And then lastly, we want to know... Uh, you know how to connect with you and how to learn more about Pearl Trans and if anybody you know wants to work with you and the opportunities like that. So let's start with how they could connect with you, learn more about you and the business, and then we'll we'll end off with that final thought. So, floor is yours.
1: Yeah, you can visit us at uh, PearlTrans.com. I'm also very active on LinkedIn. You can look me up, Lorena Camargo. You can also email us hello at PearlTrans.com. And yes, that's a real email address that we check. Uh, <laughs> and if you're interested in working with us, we Love to have you on board. Okay.
0: Amazing. And then let's go with the final thought. What are you going to leave our audience with today? Uh,
1: well, my final thought would be um, I started in this industry as a shy, broken kid, and you know, I, I worked my way up to now I own... Uh, my own, my own business, Um, there were a lot of times where I felt like I I didn't belong or I just, you know, I, I, I just, I felt like I, I didn't belong here, but something that I've learned along the way is that you decide where you belong. So, uh, and it doesn't mean not necessarily, you know, fake it till you make it. It's just like, you know, you're, you're there for a reason. You're in this industry, you're, you're a valuable player in this industry. So just focus on what you do, what you do best, work hard and amazing things will happen.
0: That's for sure. You are certainly amazing. Thank you so much for your time today, your energy and all your effort. Hustle fam, if you smell something burning, it is only your desire. Lorena proved that today. Um, Man, it's been an amazing show. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Myself, Lorena Camargo from Pearl Trans Logistics. We are out. If
1: you twisted, confused, or stuck about trucks, don't be dumb. This is the place to come. Truck and Hustle. Let's go!